Let's one, get two, it. Three, one, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> Man, the postseason is finally here. Frank Vogel is fired. And Russell Westbrook says he had to prove himself. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. NBA jam catchphrase. We're going with Boom Shakalaka. He's on fire. Or it must be the shoes. Ooh, John, how you living, my friend? I am living great. And I got to go with Boom Shakalaka. <laughs> Dude, that's such a good one. Sammy, how you living? He's on fire. I'm good, thank you. And <laughs> looking forward to the plan. JJ, what you going with? Must be the shoes, because you could apply that catchphrase in multiple situations. Dang, I'm going with it must be the shoes too. But anyways, so we're going to start off with some quick hits. And here we go. The point god wins the assist title again at 10.8 assists per game this year. Chris Paul helped lead the Suns, of course, to the top seed in the West and the number one record overall in the league this year. He did not have the most assists in the league, however. That went to Trey Young at 737. So Embiid actually won the scoring title and he's mentioned it multiple times that he's been wanting to win it and Giannis was right behind him. He actually is the first international player to win the scoring title. It's been over 20 years since the last center won it. And it's the first time that a center that has won it played under 40 minutes per game. So props to Embiid and I don't know if this matters, but adding on to what Sammy said, Trey Young actually has the most points at 2,155. So Trey Young Dang. for most points and most assists. Crazy. Luka Legend Doncic, the turnover king, with 4.49 <laughs> turnovers a game. And I'm convinced it's because Mark Cuban is yelling at him constantly throughout the game. Like he's talking through a megaphone and then my boy trey also has the most turnovers at 303 and i don't know if this is accurate but it's probably because partially due to his haircut <laughs> cannot confirm though. that's accurate so trey young he averaged 28.4 points 9.7 assists in the 21 22 regular season more impressively the 23 year old became the second player in NBA history to lead the league total in total points and total assists. The only other player to do that was Tiny Archibald in 72-73 season. We're going to get to our first topic here. The postseason here is, is here, boys. And the play-in tournament is going to go something like this with the seventh and eighth seeds up for grabs. The Nets will host the Cavs. The Hawks will host the Hornets. The Timberwolves will host the Clippers, and the Pelicans will host the Spurs. Out of these games, what do you guys think is the most anticipated matchup for the play? The homer in me is just going to have to pick the Clippers-Wolves game, but I do legitimately think that that game will be the, the highest level of play of the plan. I think you have a lot of interesting storylines in that game. The Wolves are playing their third playoff game at Target Center in 18 years in that game so you have to figure that arena is going to be absolutely bonkers crowd is going to be into it you have not a revenge game but you do have beverly playing his old crew 
and hopefully uh, he gets thrown out early, but we'll see how he does with the refs. <laughs> and just interested to see defensively how the Wolves try to handle PG, if they're going to put Edwards on him or Vanderbilt or somebody else. And at the same token, what the Clippers will do to try to defend Cat. Are they going to try to solely put Zoo on him? Are they going to throw doubles at him? Are they going to run small? Curious to see how both coaches approach this game, where it's not necessarily one and done in terms of their playoff fate, but there's obviously still a lot in the line. I'm going to have to guys, disagree uh, with you, Sammy. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. No, go, go, go. I was just going to ask both of you, who are, who's the X-Factor? Who are the X-Factor players for that game, the Clippers and the, the Wolves? Would you say Anthony Edwards is the X-Factor? Edwards is one. D'Angelo Russell might be the other because I don't think the expectations for him are quite as high anymore. But I'd be curious to see how he matches up with Reggie Jackson. So I think he would be one. And then if I'm going to throw in one from the other side from the Clippers end, I would say Norman Powell. He's looked great since he came back. Only playing 20, 24 minutes a game the first few as he gets ramped up, but he's been shooting lights out. If he comes anywhere near what he's done the last few games, the Clippers are going to be very hard to stop. Yeah, I'd have to say D'Angelo Russell, just because I think people aren't expecting anything of him or much of him in this series. And so if he comes big and if he comes with with his game, I think the Wolves can beat the Clippers. Now, I think the Clippers are actually going to win this series. Even though Clipper legend Patrick Beverly is going to make his mark and do what he needs to do, I still think the Clippers are going to win this game. And I don't know, Sammy, I don't think this is going to be that interesting of a game. I actually think the Clippers are going to win handedly, believe it or not. Oh, okay. I appreciate your confidence. I actually hope you're right on the Clippers' take for once. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but... Is we'll this see. reverse? Is this reverse jinxing? This is reverse from the Lakers fan here. It might be <laughs> one, two, yeah. three, Cancun. But I, <laughs> one, two, three, Cancun. Damn it! So I actually think the game that is the most exciting has to be the Hawks and the Hornets, right? I mean, you're talking about two perennial stars here, and they're just extremely flashy. They're kind of the, their game is what people want to see. I mean, it's a lot of flash. I mean, there isn't a lot of defense, but again, that's what people are attracted to, right? Not, you know, the casual basketball fan. So just LaMelo and Trey going at it, and hopefully they live up to that standard, but I think they will. And I think that game's going to be really close. So I'm going to have to go with that. My pick will actually be the Nets and Cavs, but it's because the Nets have... I believe the most pressure out of all the teams playing the play-in to win. Because if they lose to the Cavs, that's not gonna look good. And they have I mean, they've had their spots throughout this whole season. Like they'll blow out some really good teams, but they'll lose to some really bad teams. And Kyrie, now that he's been playing at home, he hasn't exploded. I know he had a huge game, but that was against the Magic, against some of the reserves, so yeah. I'm not entirely there to give him props, but when he did start to play home games, his averages for points went down, assists went down, and so forth and so on. So, And it's always been about, can Kyrie stay healthy? So I'm interested to see if 
the Nets could actually win, which, you know, they are favored eight and a half. But it would be funny if they lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I, I don't think that game's going to be as much as a cakewalk as most people think. And that's the exciting part about a one-game series is literally March Madness, right? Anything could happen. And I do think the Cavs are talented enough to do something crazy, right? Does does anyone else think that as well? Or you guys think this is going to be like, hands down, Nets are going to blow them out. Kyrie's going to go off on his former team, etc. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think that Katie and Kyrie are going to combine for at least 65 to 70 points easily, in my opinion. And I think if their supporting cast does what they're supposed to do, I think the Nets will win by 8 to 10 points. So but no blowout. My my issue is just I would I would be more ready to agree with you guys. I just think Jared Allen being out of this game is killer for the Cavs because the Nets' weakness clearly is a lack of size outside of Drummond. Yep. And if you had Allen and Mobley and Love off the bench, that was an area you could potentially expose. But I feel like Allen being out of the lineup, it pushes Mobley to play more minutes at center where I, I obviously think he's better than Drummond now, but it's a little bit more neutralizing. And the third big now for them is Laurie Markinen, who is not obviously an interior player. He's an outside shooter and yeah. not much of a defender. So... If Allen was playing, I'd, I'd be much more apt to think the Cavs had a shot here. I don't think it'll be a 20-point blowout either, but it's really hard for me to see the Nets losing this game. And then going back to John's pick here, the Hawks, the Hawks Hornet. John, who, who do you think comes out on top? Oh, man. I think the Hornets are playing better overall this year. I think Lamelo has taken that step, and I think he's going to take that next step when it matters. So I'm going to go with the Hornets. What about you guys? I'm in agreement on this one, actually. I, I think LaMelo is going to shine on the stage. I have a feeling he's going to break out and and really just step out into the limelight. and Make LaVar he, proud. He's going to speak <laughs> that victory into existence. JJ, okay, who are you going go, with? I'll go against the grain. I'll go with the home team. I think... Trey Young. Now it's the postseason, and you know, he cares. Talks in the season, he cares. Now he cares. <laughs> right? I know that's so crazy that he said that during, like, at the beginning of the season. It's just yeah. like it's tough to care. Anyway, bro, who are you going with? You know, I'm I'm actually gonna go with the Hawks here. I think okay. when you have these yeah. play on play in tournaments, you need that kind of like that one fu guy, and Trey Young is the spearhead of that. And he like, I think he really shines in these moments. Um, he proved that last year. I, we have to see it another year. It just, just no one in, on the Nets or on the Hornets, where if the game gets really gritty, I don't know if I really trust. That's you know? fair. Yeah, and I would have picked the Hawks, but they're not playing the Knicks. So true. And <laughs> why? One one more thing before we move on. How come we're not talking about the Pelicans and Spurs? Oh wait, no, that's right. Now. Because nobody cares about that game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, so who do you guys think is going to be the play-in MVP? I'll go first. It'll relate to my last pick. I think it's going to be Trey Young. He's the he's been the point master, right? For for points. Yeah. Assist god, and he's the turnover king. You had all three <laughs> categories. 
So, uh, I'm gonna have Trey Young. I think it's gonna go off. As much as the homer in me wants to just go ahead and say Paul George, I will go based off also off our last pick. I'm actually gonna go with Lamelo Ball on this to at least get them out of the first game and put up a nice showing against the Nets, even if they don't actually beat the Nets, which I don't think they will. But that would be my pick. Or excuse me, they wouldn't play the Nets. They would play the Cavs. So, right. you know what? Scratch that. I know I just changed the... I'm going to change what I'm saying here. I think the Hornets go on, beat the Cavs, and get the 8 And Lamelo is the playing Ooh. MVP. Wow. That is... That is brave. I can see it. I am going to pick CJ McCollum. Just kidding. What? No, I'm not. Oh, dang. I'm not picking CJ McCollum. <laughs> that was just a joke. Everybody relax. I'm going to have to agree with JJ, and I'm going to pick Trey Young, even though they're going to lose. I will pick him in a losing effort. Oh, man. I'm going to go with Kyrie. I'm going to go with Kyrie against his Cavs team. I think he's going to go absolutely ballistic during that game. I know it's going to be one game, but I think it's going to be an amazing game. What is, or who do you guys think is going to be the play-in disappointment? The fans for having to watch the Pelicans and Spurs game. Hey, I just want to put out there for the record that John's views do not represent the views of the clinic as a whole, and we all love the great fans in New Orleans and the Pelicans. Carry on, Pelicans. I'm, I'm just kidding. New Orleans, great city. San Antonio, great city. And great. I'm not, I'm not going to Charles Barkley up here. No, no, no. That's not me. Uh-huh. I'm kidding. It'll be a great game. So who's who's the play on play in disappointment? Play in disappointment. Yeah. Um, I guess based on the record and the fact that they would they would actually be in the playoffs. Well, both teams would be in the playoffs if it wasn't for the play in. But I'm gonna go with the Wolves. I think they're gonna lose. And the leap that they made this year from last year and the expectations they surpassed. I'm gonna have to go with the Wolves. Ooh, okay. This one kills me to say because I love this player and the way he plays the game. I'm going to go with Evan Mobley. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think he's going to get overwhelmed without Jared Allen there next to him. And it's just going to be a bad position for a rookie in his first playoff experience. And I do not think it'll be a reflection of his future performance, but I just think this particular scenario, how it played out, is as bad as it could be for the Cavs. I think I'm gonna eat my words, but I want to have this happen. So I'm gonna speak into existence. The Nets will not oh. make it into the playoffs. Oh. You heard it first. I will definitely get it wrong. I'm speaking it into existence. That would be think, a big play in disappointment. Yeah. That would have to be the first year in legitimately 18 that LeBron James and Kevin Durant both wouldn't be in the playoffs in that scenario, right? Yeah, yeah, that's to insane be. to think about. What are you talking about? Lakers play this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I love to tell myself to make myself feel better. <clears throat> Joys of YouTube highlights. Okay, so with the play-in, some people are kind of criticizing the play-in, saying, like, questioning whether or not it's fair for a team with, like, a, a low 30-win total like the Spurs in the same tournament as a team with 40 wins like the Wolves, do you guys agree with that assessment that, that it might not be that fair? I don't. I I actually, I think it's done a couple things. Um, adding those two extra seeds, I think reduced tanking a little bit. 
also in combination with the fact that the lottery odds were redone at the same time. So I know that both of those aspects play into it. But I feel like it makes the end of the season a lot more interesting depending on how the the race plays out. This year wasn't quite as dramatic because there was a little bit of a gap, especially in the East between 10 and 11. But it gives more teams more to play for at the end of the year. Now on the other side of that, I mean, obviously I'm the Clippers homer here. They would have been the eight seed in the playoffs either way. But I just, I think more basketball that is meaningful is never a bad thing. And if you look at professional sports outside of football, this is the one time that it's a one game winner gets in situation and we don't get that a lot you, you compared it to march madness earlier this is the one version of it that we get in professional sports again outside of football and that adds a little something that we don't normally have so i i like it yeah i could definitely see why people wouldn't like it i've always been a component of if you don't like it then do something about it and the Wolves, they're, they've been fully aware that there's a potential chance that they would be in the play-in. And there are some games that they let slip through their fingers and this is a result of it. It is weird that you do have the Spurs who have 34 wins and the Wolves who have 46 and they're competing within the same tournament. And uh, I guess proposal that the NBA should look into is instead of the four uh, four teams from the East and four teams from the the West represent the play-in, why don't they have, for example, a mixture of both and get teams 16 through 20 play? You know what I mean? Or 17 right. through 20? Yeah. So it wouldn't favor East or West. It would just go by team record. Can I ask one question in the scenario you just proposed, though? Yeah. Okay, let's let's go sake of argument. If if you're saying that, are you saying that there shouldn't be conferences for playoff seating, period? It should all just be 1 through 16? For me, I think I, I've always been a fan of that. The, okay. one, the one aspect I do like about the current seating based off Eastern Western Conference is the rivalries. Agreed. Okay. That's like the main selling point. Like Knicks versus Hawks. Right. But I think it does rob the fans from having, for example, a team like the Suns facing the Warriors, which that could have been potentially the finals this year, right? That could be... Or, you know, the top two teams could both be in the same conference, for example. Right. I think that's something that that's been discussed a lot and I like it. I think that if you eliminate the conferences, that would be cool. But I think the issue that they have, I would imagine is the travel. And if you do that through the first few rounds, right? It's a lot of travel from East to West. If you have, if you're cross, in, crossing each uh, conference and playing teams earlier than you would be other than the finals. So I think that would be a sticking point for them. But back to the, uh, whether or not this is fair it's all conditional right if the spurs were in the timberwolves position they would say it's unfair but they're in the ninth tenth seed where they have a chance to make the playoffs so it's they don't they're not going to complain it's all it's going to depend right so to me it's i like it like sammy said it adds a lot more competition it adds more 
it adds a lot more intrigue towards the end of the season and a lot more at stake. It has that March Madness feel, like Sammy said. And so I think it's great. And I know that we had some premier big market teams the last couple of years. We don't necessarily have that this year. But still, I think it's you'll still get a lot of viewers. You'll still get a lot of suspense. And that's what the NBA is about, right? It's about entertainment. It's about suspense. It's about bringing new audience, audience, audiences in and, and uh, generating that revenue. So I love it. Guys, we, we have some comments here, actually. And I think it's from uh, our boy at the Busted Bucket, Tim. He said he's also picking the Nets with you, JJ. He said, I knew I liked JJ for a reason. KD's probably pulling a hammy and like before Kyrie gets COVID. Tim, that's out of that's out of pocket, bro. That's my boy, Tim. I love Tim. You. Out of pocket, bro. I love you, Tim. Tim, Tim if you're listening. I just gotta say, you and you and I, we have something in common. One, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> love you, Tim, man. All I'm right, not cheered for injuries, but yeah, me and Tim are on the same wavelength. Hold up. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and up, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. We're going to get to our next topic here. Frank Vogel is officially fired, boys. I'm, I'm sorry, John. Mm. He's fired, man. And, you know, Woj actually tweeted. He said Frank Vogel has coached his final game for the Lakers, a decision that is expected to be shared with him as soon as Monday. Hmm. And Frank Vogel was asked what he thought about that tweet. And he told the reporters, I haven't been told blank. You could think of whatever expletive might be there. What do you guys think of the firing and this whole comment? Just all of it. I'll start with this. (laughs) Can we give a big fat L to Adrian Wojnarowski? I know that he's been pretty legit when it comes to breaking news and rumors and things like that. But the fact that in his tweet, he said, this news will be shared with Frank Vogel as soon as Monday. He tweeted this yesterday. And I guess he thought that Frank Vogel didn't have a cell phone or a smartphone or access to internet because that is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> you shared it with him just then my man and uh yeah i i don't know dude i i just don't like the way it was handled obviously i think frank vogel the kind of the writing was on the wall right somebody had to be the scapegoat the season was a disaster it was a complete failure from the expectations in the beginning of the season the talent of lebron westbrook and uh ad granted they didn't play a lot this year or a lot together but the that team should have made at least the plan to be over 15 games under 500. Someone had to be the scapegoat. Unfortunately, it was Vogel. But the way that the front office handled it was really embarrassing. And I say that as a hardcore diehard Laker fan because you don't do that. That's not great. That's not etiquette. That's not nice. That's not something that you do to somebody that helped you win a championship two years ago. 
that you right. have if you face to face you go to the guy you tell him you know what it's not working out and we got to let you go that's fine but to have it publicized in the news before he even knows about it is it just it leaves a sour taste in my mouth and i think a lot of people agree i don't know i wanted to get your guys thoughts from outsiders as non-laker fans what do you guys think about that it was very very poorly handled i agree with you and the fact that someone leaked it to Waj not even an hour before a full day before knowing he's Waj, you know what he's going to do he's going to post it that's his job right and not only leaked it to him period but leaked it to him as they were finishing on the one one of the few high notes of the year so that reporters could ask him about it in the post game like it's just such a bad look especially like you said even if the guy had won 20 games a year for three years it would be a bad look this dude led you to a championship and just the way he was let out the door i mean they're the lakers they're always going to have prestige so you assume that they're gonna be able to get a, a good head coaching candidate but at some level you got to figure that other candidates are going to see what's going on even going back to when he was clearly the second choice and he got a shorter contract than he should have because tyloo turned down the job because they were trying to hardline him it just makes you wonder like the rumors are out there that they're going to go for nick nurse i can't remotely see him turning down what he's got in Toronto unless he just likes LA and they're willing to pay him that much. So it, I, I agree with you, John. I think it was horribly handled. The Lakers are on life support. They don't need a nurse. They need a doctor. <laughs> he's in Philly. <laughs> I like what no, you did there. No, no, no. The doc's in dog. Philly. Not... You just called the top 15 coach of all time. Familiar with the LA area, Ooh. likes the golf out here. Oh, my. Not that kind of doctor. You called it. You just spoke it into existence. <laughs> doctor uh, a... Mark Jackson. That's, there you go. That's, a, that's a doctor that would uh that's a doctor with malpractice basically <laughs> jj yeah. what do you what do you think okay you said it it's the lakers the lakers could come come out of this at, with the most unprofessional thing that you could do to an employee which is fire somebody without letting them know until everybody else it's like this one guy in high school, everyone knew that his hot girlfriend was going to break up with him, except him. So, poor dude, you just got your heart broken and yeah. you're embarrassed, but you know what? It's the Lakers, they are the hot girl. They could get away with it. They know that there will be people waiting to get that coaching job. They know that they could have that pull to get any free agent that they want. Yeah. Even though that this coach got them a championship. And my analogy with Frank Vogel is that he's this Michelin star sushi chef. And all of a sudden they switch up their restaurant and they're like, well, now we're going to switch up your ingredients of fresh fish and give you some filet mignon, some ribeye, and shoot, we'll even, we'll even put some chitlin in there, some macaroni chitlin. and cheese. And he's just like, what? What am I supposed to do with all these ingredients? And this doesn't work. Like my two dudes said last week, you have a defensive-minded coach with old players, number one, and two offensive players. Front office messed it up. Kalinka, we're looking at you. LeBron. We're looking at you too. Just a messy situation. But hey, they're the Lakers. No one really sympathizes with them, except John. 
Yeah. Jay, so <laughs> I really like your high hot girl high school analogy. Was that about you or Ro? That is so funny you say that because Tim is commenting here. We're we're live streaming by the way for those who are listening to the pod afterwards. Tim said JJ always bringing up the girlfriend, starting to think he's speaking about himself. <laughs> Tim knows what's up. Tim. And the thing is that JJ, I love your analogy, right? You said the Lakers are the hot girl, right? Yeah. Who has a hot friend named LeBron James, but also has a couple of duds in Palinka, in Westbrook. So it's like the grenades. We're just wondering oh, what coach is going to hop on these grenades too, right? That's what we're talking about. And the thing is, is that like, I think it was a little too early to fire Frank Vogel. He just came off a championship. Everyone agreed that the roster construction was just awful. And, and Tim actually put that on the comments too, that the roster construction was awful. I don't know if I completely blame him. Do you guys think he deserved another chance at this, another swing, like another year? Well, first thing, okay. I won't take any more of Tim's slander about the Lakers. Slander and libel over here. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead, Sammy. I'm just honest question. After the way this year went, all the nonsense went on. He's getting a year paid and he's gone. Is he totally unhappy about it? Probably not. I'll throw that out there. You might take a job at ESPN or wherever this year, just doing commentary, double dipping, getting paid by the Lakers, and and getting paid by wherever else he goes. Becomes a hot name next coaching cycle and can probably pick up another job anyway. So yeah. He's got to. De- he has to deserve some level of fault, but I don't think it's much. I mean, you went. What was the final record on them? Thirty-two and fifty. 33 and 49, yeah. something like that. I mean, no, we ended the season on a two game winning streak, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> so 33 and 49. 33 49. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're going to move on to our next topic here. We're going to talk about Russell Westbrook. He spoke on Frank Vogel and he said, We never really connected. From the get go, I was feeling I had to prove myself to him. I'm not sure what his issue was with me. And of course, he's talking about the times where he was benched in the fourth quarters, etc. What do you guys think of Russell Westbrook's comments here? No, they're ignorant. That's ignorant. Go ahead. I'll let you guys go. I know everybody wants me to start, but you go ahead. (laughs) I will not start. Okay. I got a lot to say, but I won't start. Okay. They brought in a ball-dominant player to play alongside with LeBron James and AD and Westbrook who multiple multiple in multiple times of the season led the league in turnovers and they were already a bad offensive efficient team so in combination with Westbrook's attitude and I don't care what everyone else says I Westbrook has fooled everyone to think that he's this high energy defensive player he's not good on defense I don't know why people keep saying oh he's high energy he's good on defense he gives energy on the floor he only does that when the ball is in his hands I mean what the hell does he do off ball nothing True. what does he do on defense when he get when someone beats him nothing Talk to him. so he's gonna shift the blame 
to Vogel, which I don't agree with. And John said this last week. Where's, where's the accountability here? Why aren't the players taking responsibility? That's including LeBron, AD, even Melo. They're the leaders of the team. Didn't、um, Reeves or Monk talk about, or THT talk about the veterans' leadership a few weeks ago? We talked about that, right? Like,、yep. they always get、yeah. blamed for defense, even though Carmelo is on the floor and Westbrook <laughs> is on the floor. <laughs> that's, that's pretty ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think? Sammy, am I right for, or wrong? For sure. And reports came out too that when AD and LeBron met up with Westbrook a few times before this trade was made, that he had told them that he was essentially to open, open to any role. Like whatever they needed him to do, he was going to do. Yeah, not so much. No, not so much. There was, if he went off ball and actually cut, slash, did all those things that. We believe he can do, but like Jay said, we haven't actually seen him do. Maybe this season turns out differently, but clearly he didn't adapt. He played like he normally does, which at this point, he's kind of a one dimensional player whose dimension is athleticism, and it's that dimension is starting to fall off a little bit. And it just never works. So I'm sure Vogel and him never got along because Vogel wanted him to adapt and he wouldn't. And the, the thing with Russ's playing style is that it's, it's hard to make it fit into a team concept unless he's the ball dominant player. So I'm very curious to see what the steps are with him, where he ends up, and can he be a winning player at this point in his career? Because right now the stats and the production says otherwise. Sammy, you know what's funny? When you brought up in the beginning of the year, he said that he, would, he was willing to do all of the things necessary. To help the team win、mm-hmm. and work on the team and be about the team. It's like getting a new job and telling your employer, Yeah, I'm gung ho. I can do all this. I'm going to do all this. We're going to thrive and excel. And then you do half the work. Trust me, I would know from experience. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But man, where do, this is a lot to unpack. Okay, I'll start with this. Westbrook's got to be some sort of cartoon character, just trolling us, right? Some of the stuff that he says, this can't be real. He literally asked, he said, he replied to the reporter and said, I'm not sure what his issue was with me. Well, Russ, there's a lot to, to say, and we don't have that much time, but I'll maybe ill advised shots, bad defense, losing your guy, turnovers, not playing defense, jogging back up the floor, not cutting. Not reboxing out your guy. There were so many things that he did this season for, as JJ said, for someone who has an energizer bunner, bunny motor and who is allegedly supposed to be one of the hardest workers. He just never really concentrated that effort into something meaningful consistently. And as much as I dislike Patrick Beverly, maybe he was right. When he replied and said, you know, he called me the guy who just runs around. He's tricked y'all. He, he just runs around and does nothing. <laughs> I think Westbrook、yeah. was being a little hypocritical because he does that a lot. And so, again, Westbrook didn't play well this year. And that's not what bothers me. What bothers me more than anything is his lack of accountability. Like JJ said, 
like I said, and that JJ reiterated here, is that he doesn't take responsibility for the way he plays. He deflects. And that is evident, and that is typical of someone who has an ego and is proud. And that's the enemy. You can't be about a team if you have an ego, an ego that is so big that you can't even fess up to your mistakes or take responsibility for your bad play. And I, I don't think he did that once this year. And that's concerning. Right. More than anything, I don't want somebody like that on my team. What's crazy to me, like to your point, John, is the part where he says, I'm not sure what his issue was with me. And it's kind of funny that Vogel was saying, you know, earlier, like when he was talking about Woj's tweet, like, I, I haven't heard blank. It's like these guys don't have internet. Like they don't have Twitter. <laughs> Like, they don't see every other person criticizing them, like, every single day about the team. And Westbrook name comes up a lot. Like, if you're not sure what his issue was with you, like, are you really not hearing it from other places? Like, that's absolutely crazy. But anyway, boys, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you guys for being on. JJ, thank you. Hey, shout out to the Busted Bucket podcast. Amen. Shout out. John, thanks for being on, man. Thank you. Thank you for everybody listening, too. Sammy, thank you. Thank you, as always. And, you know, here's hoping Thursday I'm joyfully prepping for the Memphis Clippers first round series. But we will see how tomorrow goes. (laughs) And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Thank you for putting us on the live stream, bro. Check us on our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and like us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.